Well, I don't need to preach. That was... I love that. Um, so we are in our series, Broke, uh, in the season of Lent. So welcome back to that series. Broke meaning not whole, not functional, not having enough. All three of these meanings, Christ took on himself, took on flesh. He, he took our sin, he took our death, he took on our, uh, our human nature. So he helps us navigate this world by walking in it. Now, all of us have different ways of doing that um, through wisdom that we have received from friends, from parents over a lifetime. So I just want you to take one second, turn to the person next to you or around you and, and share what is the most important piece of wisdom you've ever received. Either, you know, take a risk, don't go to bed angry, whatever the case may be. What is the most important piece of wisdom you have ever received? Go ahead and pass that on. We have bits and pieces of wisdom to help us navigate this life. I mean, isn't that kind of the point is you, you have pieces of wisdom to help you get from point A to point B in this world in the best way possible. And Proverbs are little pieces of wisdom that are universal in application. They're timeless. They, they uh, apply uh, across the world as well as here because they're so crucial to, to human nature. So um, just to share a few of these, see if you know, y'all can spot these. Um, I'll start it and you finish. Be swift to hear, slow to, okay, slow to anger. Has anyone heard it another way? Swift to hear, slow to speak, right? Swift to hear, slow to anger, slow to speak. Many hands make light. Many hands make light work. Anybody heard that? All right. Um, The pen is mightier than the sword. All right. So these little bits and pieces of wisdom help us to just navigate this world right? They're, they're, they're applicable a hundred years ago. They're applicable today. Um, and biblical wisdom, you have entire genres, entire books written around biblical wisdom, which not only help us navigate our relationship with other people, but bringing God into the equation as well, right? It it says the beginning of, uh, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? So biblical wisdom applies to both God and mankind. Now the point of wisdom though, is not to overcome the world. The point of wisdom is to operate as effectively as possible within the world, right? It it applies to this life. Um, And everyone has a way of making life work. Everyone has different bits of wisdom that they've acquired or that resonates with them. Everyone kind of has their own way. God also has his own way of making life work, all right? Um, And I'm going to read this again because this is one of the most powerful pieces of scripture and I I love it. So I'll read a piece of it again. Um, It says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
So it's like Paul is saying this. I, I don't think Paul would do well in our like modern church setting of, you know, seven tips to a better marriage or, you know, ways to be more courageous or any, I don't think Paul would do it because Paul says, look, are you looking for life hacks? Are you looking for tips and tricks and shortcuts? Because you're not going to find that here. We preach folly. He says, we preach folly to the world. And that the only way to true life is that folly, is brokenness in Christ. The only way to true life is brokenness in Christ. So a lot of times I think what tends to happen is we treat the gospel like it's just another proverb. Okay, we have our life, we go about it, and the gospel is there to help us through it. It's like an add-on, right? It, 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 if we walk through our life like that, the gospel is there to help me live my life. Not only do we miss who Jesus is, but we miss exactly how broken we are, right? If the gospel is subordinate to us, we miss how broken we are. And just to you know, prove the point, let me ask by show of hands, um, who, is, who is frustrated this morning or sad or hurt? or anxious, feeling guilty, feeling worried about anything at all? Have you ever felt this way? Do you anticipate ever feeling this way again? Probably so. Now, have you received some kind of wisdom? Has somebody given you some wisdom of how to operate in this world? Probably. Do you know Jesus? I would hope, you know, you're here. I'm assuming you do, right? Do you still feel these things? Yes. Why? Because we're broken. Right? That is the extent of our brokenness. We've got wisdom. We've got the gospel. We've even been forgiven. We're on the other side of the cross and we still know brokenness. Okay? So let's not pull any punches about the depth of our situation here in this life. And if you'll notice, like you, walk, you, you look around this room, young, old, black, white, uh, you, whatever your circumstance, whatever your setting, wherever you come from, this is your reality. This is our reality. It is universal, okay? So how is that wisdom working out? How is that working for you? Maybe for a little while. But the whole point of the gospel is to completely undo and upend all of that. The way we choose to live our life. And most of us aren't ready for that. Are you prepared to totally and completely upend your schedule, your budget, your relationships, everything, everything, all for the sake that someone might know Jesus better. Because I think a lot of times we say, well, that's, that's extreme. I don't need, like... Especially, like, if, you're, if you have been in the Lutheran Church for a while or the Catholic Church, you, you know, you, you probably know, like, that's extreme. I don't need to totally upend my entire life. I'll just, you know, do stuff within what I already know. Um, but no, the, the gospel is totally and completely turning stuff upside down just so we can help somebody know the kingdom of God. And most of us kind of cringe at that thought because we're stuck. We're stuck in this world's wisdom of trying to get ahead, right? I, I don't 
I don't want to do that. I don't want to give my time. I don't want to give my money. I don't want to uh, invest in that person because I got more than enough of my own stuff going on right now, right? I need to take care of me. Much, you know, I, I don't feel capable of taking care of them at the same time. So really, like what, what is stuck in our heads is I will go the way of Jesus. I will follow him. I will sacrifice when it feels safe to do so. When I'm ready, when I have the means, I'll give more. When, I'm, when I have the time, I will spend more of it with other people. When I have the security of my faith, then I'll share it more often. Right? I will make the sacrifice when I feel safe doing it. But here's that, that is broken wisdom. Because the world says, give out of what you got. God says, you will never have, so just give. Right? Give out of what you got versus just give. It'll never be safe. But we live against the gospel when we live by that kind of wisdom. In fact, we live against Christ himself when we live by that kind of wisdom. And we don't always recognize it that way because we like saying, well, that's extreme. Those are, those are crazy Christians. I don't need to be like that. That's crazy Christ stuff, you know. But that's not, that's not how Bonhoeffer saw it. And he wrote some of the most like biting words to, to me personally because like I, I see myself in this. Um, here's what Bonhoeffer says about living in that kind of wisdom as a Christian. He says, there are many Christians who do indeed kneel before the cross of Jesus Christ. And yet they reject and struggle against every tribulation in their own lives. They believe they love the cross of, G- of Christ. And yet they hate that cross in their own lives. And so in truth, they hate the cross of Jesus Christ as well. And in truth, despise that cross and try by any means possible to escape it. I don't know, y'all, that hurts. Last week we talked about the fact that we need a new nature, but all we have is this broken nature. So there's no possible way that we can use what is broken to fix something that needs to be whole. It's the same way with wisdom. We cannot use broken wisdom to attain new wisdom, right? It just, it goes against the logic. You just can't do that. So what has to happen the same way that Christ has to come in and of his own volition, destroy our nature, break us down to rebuild us in himself. He does the same thing with our mind. He has to, because we have a biological imperative to try to survive. We have a biological imperative to avoid harm because we operate on the principle that pain brings death and death brings defeat. He operates on a whole different level. It says he sought the cross. He sought the cross for the joy set before him. That is a whole different kind of wisdom than we can just arrive at on our own. In, in his world, in his way of doing things, brokenness is not the end of life. It's the beginning so what, it, what does it say in, in 2 Corinthians? So the Corinthian church, if you didn't know, the Corinthian church is obsessed with wisdom. They're, exce- they're obsessed with Greek culture. What's the newest logic, the newest way of thinking, the newest doing thing? What's the, what's the trend, right? They're obsessed with the new everything and, and they're all about that wisdom. Paul says this in, to this church who struggled so much in the New Testament. He, 
he shares with them what God communicated to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. That is not logic. That is not reason. That is not wisdom by any standards but God's. And think through that implication that unbreakable God became broken for you, for me. That unbreakable God would choose to work in broken people. That he would choose to work through broken people, not even just like the bug doesn't stop here, that he would use you and me to do perfect and incredible and magnificent things for an eternal kingdom. That's not wisdom. That's crazy. It's folly. And yet, where we are brought to nothing, where we are broken, that is exactly where we find the power of God. That is exactly where we find the wisdom of God. Because in our death, we find his death and resurrection. We find new life. By the folly of what we preach, we say that brokenness is something that we seek. It's not just something that happens to us. This is our goal. This is our goal, is to follow in the footsteps of the cross of Christ. So um, I went to a conference this week, and one of the speakers put it this way. She said, the posture of God's kingdom is surrender. The posture of God's kingdom is surrender. Now think about that. Because we'll say it all day long. We will say it all day. Right? I mean, just think about some of the some of the praise songs, you know, God, I give you all of me. Except the time you want me to volunteer because there's a game on. And I don't want to give that guy money because I'm buying a new iPhone, but God, I give you everything. Like there is a disconnect. You can say that all day long, but really think through what does that mean? Everything is his. Our friends, our family, our opportunities, our reason, our money, our time, our preferences, our past, our future. Every single thing is his to be surrendered by us. Everything becomes a means of making God known in the world. Everything is for his glory. And I'm not trying to make light of where you're at. I know some of you are ready to go. Some of you are ready to do. And some of you are saying, I can't take on one more thing. I can't give God one more second. I can't do anything. I can't give anymore. And to you, if that's you, I would say, then give that. Then give that. That's what he wants. Isn't it? That's the confession. I have nothing to give. That's the point. That is the point. That's the foundation. I have nothing to give. That is a broken nature. And that is the only place we find him. That is the only place where he has chosen to find us in our nothingness. So the world says, look, if you can't come with something to give, then don't come at all. You need to bring something to the table here, right? We need to be helping each other out. And God says, look, if if you have nothing to give, if you have nothing, 
that's okay. And not only is that okay, <laughs> I prefer it. I prefer it. Like, we can't live in this delusion of, of you know, God, here's, you know, here's my portion. Here's part of this. Like, that is, that's nonsense. I mean, you talk about folly. Like, here, so God says, look, if you come with nothing to give, that's okay. I want you. I take, I have taken you. I have purchased you. I have won you. God says, look, you have nothing to give. You have nothing to offer. Here, why don't you take these gifts? Why don't you take my boy? Why don't you take my life? Why don't you take my righteousness? Why don't you take my holiness? Why don't you take life itself? You have nothing to give? Here's my everything. This is how God breaks the world. This is why he breaks the world. It is totally and purely out of a love for our nothingness. Would you join me in prayer? Can you please rise?